Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. Obviously, at some point, there was an attraction to spirits. How did that begin? Yeah, so as I mentioned, the same time that I started uh, Spin Touch, I decided to, well, let's back up. A few, about a year to two years before Spin Touch or SIP Awards, I started, I forget how many like businesses I start. So about two years prior, um, I started this importing and uh, importing absinthe and tequila. And uh, it was organic tequila and absinthe just became uh, legalized in the U.S. at the time. And I saw an opportunity, I think this was 2007, 2008. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, I want to say 2007, 2008. And at that time, I thought there was, there was a huge opportunity to um, bring in absinthe. Uh, I've never even tried absent. I just saw the opportunity, quickly called uh, or contacted a few international companies, asked them to, to partner with them to bring the product in, got three companies involved, brought them, imported uh, a couple pallets, try to sell them. That's uh, just, you know, just hitting the ground running, had a partner uh, that was also from the mortgage background uh, that was, that was part of this uh, project with me and it was it was very difficult because we were kind of competing with some of the biggest industry leaders in spirits whether they were in our category or not um, you would take it into a an establishment and they are just really prone to keeping the products that they know well or they're getting um, kickbacks from from their distributors so it's hard to get those placements in for a small company like us, um, and it was it wasn't it wasn't uberly successful. It was it was again extremely challenging. If you didn't have a lot of money, it was it was it was a first time I kind of felt the play to pay to play kind of um, scenario where you had to really invest into marketing and kickbacks and um, partnerships with a lot of these different venues, distributors, et cetera, to, to get involved. So eventually that kind of started to, that business started to kind of shut down and close. But before it did, I had the idea of, hey, let's let's get our products kind of accredited or uh, reviewed by some of these, um, these competitions. <clears throat> and I thought, well, it's kind of weird because these competitions are always are always getting brand are, are, are always industry focused. So their their judges are sometimes brand owners, distributors, importers, um, spirit writers. I mean, they're they're all they're all within the same industry. They're they're basically our competition, and that didn't sit well with me. Where I had to pay money to get my brand reviewed by a potential competitor um, that I didn't know, and. I felt like there, there's definitely a gap in the market where there should be some sort of a review process or competition that's unbiased, that is reviewed by your core customers, your, your consumer public. 
Um, I actually shared this with my partner at the time uh, that, that started the spirit business with me and, and his exact, and I, and I kind of phrased it as, you know, maybe phrasing it, building it as a consumer judge competition um, where brands are, are kind of evenly distributed across the field and uh, it's all unbiased. And he, his, his exact words were, you know, you're crazy. You, this isn't going to work. You can't, we, we, we barely are, we, we're not even successful selling this product. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to get these buy-ins from these big corporations to trust us with their reviews with consumers. And I've shared this idea. I shared the idea with a lot of people and everyone for the most part thought I was crazy. Uh, eventually he decided to part ways. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, he decided to part ways and I was like, well, um, you know, he's not saying no to me anymore. I got to do it myself. I'll just, just like I mentioned before, if, if someone says, no, you can't do it, it's impossible. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to throw some money into it. Some, a lot, a lot, a lot of time into it and see what happens. Um, and at exactly the same time I was doing spin touch and I said, well, one of them hopefully will take off and eventually one of them will be, and then I'll shut down the, the, the one that doesn't. So our first year we got about, uh, right, right around 70 brands, um, to enter, which was huge. Um, 70 brands from around the world decided to, Hey, let's get our brand tested by tasted and evaluated by consumers that we have no control over. Most of the brands were smaller companies. The bigger brands were kind of holding off because again, they didn't have the full transparency of control to some degree. There, it was, it was a field of judges where anything could go. Um, it was a brand new concept and there weren't a lot of competitions around at the time. And the next year, it, it went up to maybe 130 and then it eventually started double every year. Um, last year we had over 950 brands uh, compete in our competition, which is huge, which is uh, a record breaking year. Every single year we've actually seen a record breaking year, which is kind of showing a testament to this process and what the brands and consumers really think about civil awards. What criteria do you use for the judging process? What, what, what was that? The judging process like, what criteria, how do you value the spirits? Yeah, so that's, that's really important to us because, uh, because these are, again, not experts. They've never evaluated spirits. They're, they're not reading blogs every day about spirits. They're your average spirit buyer. Um, so first, how to find these judges, we do, we, we basically have an open call and uh, we, wanted, we wanna take not necessarily the experts or the novices, we wanna take everything kind of in between. We do want a, a very broad range of expert level if you wanna consider it that. So we do have some questions uh, that are on the survey that we ask ahead of time of you know, how often they drink, to what their favorite products are, uh, to, and, and their subjective questions where we can kind of evaluate what their level of expertise are. And obviously most important question, you know, what affiliation do you have with the 
spirit industry. If they're a bartender or a waitress, uh, that's not a big deal. But if they're a brand owner or a rep, um, they would they would essentially be disqualified. Um, and then from there, uh, we, we also, the big point is we want to make sure we determine what they like and what they don't like. Uh, we don't want to put someone, let's say you don't like tequilas, we don't want you, we don't want you at the tequila table uh, because that's going to kind of uh, cast a negative experience for that person, but not only that, but the brands that are involved in that table. So we want to put people where they feel the most comfortable in, where they have the most experience in uh, tasting. And then when we're, when we're doing the evaluations, uh, we, we kind of educate them on how to get the most out of each taste on the aroma, taste, and finish. Those are the key characteristics we're looking for. Uh, so we, we also, uh, and I don't know if you can see this, yes. but it's the meat glass. And I think you, you're, you're probably familiar with it and a lot of uh, your viewers are. We use the knee class across the board with all of our competition. Uh, we've, we've determined that it's one of the best uh, spirit glasses to dissipate the alcohol and really bring the aromas and the taste out of the, out of the spirit naturally, um, how it was meant to be tasted. So we, we provide every single competition since 2014, I want to say, we've always had uh, the neat glass as our go-to uh, glass sponsor, um, which which kind of keeps an even playing field for all the comp, uh, all the all the brands. Huh. And then and then going through, like I said, aroma, taste, and finish. Uh, we show them how to use the glass properly. We actually have uh, the owner um, and the designer for the glass come out to the competitions. His name is George, a great, great guy, um, amazing uh, personality. And he's been, I, I don't know how long his company's been around, but he's, he's been wildly successful with his glass. And every, every year we have judges come out. Um, a lot of the judges that are really more connoisseurs and experts or, or striving to be, they really take notice of the glass and um, try and find out ways of, of purchasing it. Um, and then, and then a big, big factor of, of our education process or little kind of speech we give to each of the judges is we want to make sure that they're telling us what their opinion is of the, of the spirit. We don't want to necessarily tell them what a vodka should taste like or shouldn't taste like, uh, because that's, you know, it, I feel like that's something that the other competitions do and maybe do a good job at the, the, the judge may in fact, like that spirit, but it just doesn't give the specific characteristics of what a typical tequila should be. Um, it might be too sweet or uh, or too bitter. Uh, we don't we don't really care for that. We want to know, hey, uh, you know, on a one to one level, did you enjoy the aroma? Did you enjoy the taste? And did you enjoy that finish? And at what level did you enjoy it? From you know an A to F grade level. Okay. That's a grade level. That's the scale that you use. Yeah, we wanted to make it very simple. We didn't want to, uh, because they're going through a lot of spirits. This is, again, their first time. We want to keep it very straight to the point. Grade level, everyone understands. A is a great grade. F is bad. 
Um, and we, we encourage them to spread the results as much as possible. We don't want them to obviously mark A's and F's only. Um, and and we're, we're actively going through uh, as, as the competition's happening to encourage that. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell how we've controlled uh, the, the mindset of each competition that we're, we're casting. And this is obviously all pre-COVID or before even COVID started, we were doing uh, all these competitions in a big, big event setting with 100 plus judges um, and you know hundreds and hundreds of spirits. How has the results come back? I mean, you're describing a very open forum of someone that may not even have that spirit in the first place. So the range has to be pretty significant. How has it landed on folks and what's, has there been consensus, you know, for the most part? Yeah, so it's it's very interesting um, and, and the more the more we go through every year we're noticing a lot of consistencies in what the judge because we're not having one judge just taste one spirit we have a panel of typically it's anywhere from eight to ten judges for a particular spirit category so what we do really well compared to some of the other competitions uh, because again we're not dealing with experts we'll deal with what we can kind of counteract with that is using more quantity, uh, using having additional judges to kind of offset those different variances. And uh, what we're seeing is majority of the judges are kind of showing us, you know, there's all obviously outliners, but there is a lot of consistency across the board um, for each of the products, whether it's a good product, average product, or a bad product, and we're seeing that across. Another another ability we've introduced to kind of determine who's a good judge and who's a bad judge, because it's hard to determine that with a brand new judge, right? And that's one of the difficulties we've had or the challenges we've had. How do you know if this person can is if this person can really taste anything, let alone um, if they're good or bad. So what we've, how we've been able to manage that is we've done something really creative where we actually double up a certain amount of spirits that these judges are getting, but they don't know which, which products are doubled up. So what that will tell us is, you know, you might go through one particular product, um, and, and really like it and put it in a, um, and that product may show up again. And we wanna see how closely you relate that score to your first score. And if you're on the money, that tells us that you're very good at what you're doing. Whether, you're, whether it's an F or an A, we don't care. We just wanna know if you're consistent across the board over an extended period of time. Um, and you're also taking it very seriously because again, you're dealing with consumers. So we've introduced this and we've told judges that, hey, we have this in place and the people that are uh, uh, going to score the highest, and this is a way you can actually score it subjectively, you're gonna be awarded, you know, whether we give them a prize or a free entry next year to come back 
um, or, or additional prizes. And everybody loves to win a prize or everybody wants to be recognized for their quality of, of expertise or show off to their friends and like, hey, look, I was able to catch all these. You, you did a horrible job. So that, you know, when we introduced that, I think we introduced that back in the 2014-15 uh, timeframe. Uh, the results have been so much more improved. I mean, we're seeing a consistency across. Uh, everybody's taking a lot more serious and we're, we're, we're getting much, much more uh, passionate people kind of pouring in a lot more effort in trying to detect those fine details. Hey, did I, did I just taste that one? No, maybe I did. And then they'll, they'll get a lot closer like, oh, this one's totally off. I'm going to mark that. And we'll even, we'll even see it in the judging notes, which we, we provide where they can actually um, provide that information and say, hey, this is exactly like that one. Um, and they get excited and they get kind of um, interested in, in finding out what those results were. I like the vetting process. I like you playing with people's heads. I think it's very healthy. I, I've judged at a number of competitions and you get a huge cross-section of individuals veterans, you know, people deeply entrenched in the industry that live in that world all the time. And then there's dilettantes and influencers and it's just a crazy combo. Um, so, and you know, there's no blind taste test before that for anybody, which I think there should be at a minimum. It's just the first threshold. You know, what is your, whether your palate is trained or not, in a blind taste, it would show up and how well and how intentional you are, right? So it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, when I tell friends about, you know, I, I have friends that I'll always say, and I'm sure your viewers are very similar. Well, they'll always say, oh, I can spot that, you know, give me, give me a lineup of three. I, I can spot the, spot the Johnny Walker, or I can spot the Grey Goose, or I can spot, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm great at, I've been drinking it all my life. And then you go, okay, well, come, come to our event and we'll see if you can spot these brands. Um, and, and it gives them an opportunity for, for not only the brands the SIP Awards very valuable, but the, but the judges now get an opportunity to do an effective double blind tasting, which is very challenging to do on your own, right? You, you tr I've tried it. It's hard because you're always kind of marking things off and there's always a sense of, you know exactly what products you're gonna be going through. This is a way you can essentially evaluate products that you may or may not have ever experienced in your entire life and go through a judging uh, evaluation. And then at the end of it, see how accurate you were. Also find out if you really liked your favorite brands or if you didn't. And if there's new brands that you really, really love that you would never ever in your wildest imagination would have guessed that's a cool brand, that's an amazing taste. Because again, you don't see the bottle, you don't see the endorsements, you don't see, you don't see any of that. So for the judges, it's extremely valuable where you get this kind of this tailored experience that allows you to really find out some cool products uh, that you would have never been encountered with. 
of you guys that think this is just a fun and easy process. Like we disabuse you from that notion. I'll give you a simple example. Um, I was in Oregon a few years back and it was a blind tasting at one of the wineries with five winemakers and an MW. All four winemakers did not recognize their own wine. The only one that did nail four out of five was an MW. That does not mean that Across the board, that's how it would have happened with a different group of people. I'm just saying, that's pretty representative to me, how hard it is. So this is a really interesting and, and insightful and hard exercise to judge in this competition. But I bet you have a lot of people that are very excited to be a judges. Do you have like a wait list? How does the process work? Absolutely. I mean, uh, we, we have all kinds of people that can, some people love it some people may not be for them or they thought it was a different experience obviously i mean it's it's we get a, all, all sorts but the the vast majority love the experience because they get to do this with their family or friends um we get right after the event they come to us and they're like how do i get on the waiting list or how do i get make sure i'm on that it's interesting we get people in emailing us before we even have the um, the official acceptance, um, you know, before even the, the brands are submitting their product, they're emailing us of like, hey, I want to make sure I'm in line because again, the seats do get filled up. Um, we only have an allotment of, uh, of of spots open, and for a lot of judges, it's important to them to make sure that they get uh, specific seats because, as you know, um, there 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 are people that hate gins or love whiskey was i can tell you whiskey is our, our most favorite sought after um uh, category to be in everybody loves whiskey i mean not everybody but um a big majority of people are are into the whiskey categories and then i would say tequila is another big one um and surprisingly uh, a lot of vodkas too recently and, and slowly we're getting gin interest. Gin um, brands are submitting, it's just, it's just the consumers are, uh, we're, we're finding those out. And it's, it's about managing them, right? It's uh, finding, finding everybody for everything. Um, but yeah, the, the demand for being a judge uh, for the people that really, really love this is, is great because they get, this, they get this kind of real results right away. Absolutely. So how are you handling the virtual reality of judging? So yeah, when, when COVID kind of hit, we had to do another big pivot for civil wards to be able to still have a competition, um, but something safe uh, because, I mean, again, our judges are from all walks of life. We have Democrats to Republicans. We've got um, age groups of 22 all the way up to the 70 age groups, um, all sorts of races. And what we what we do is um, we also have all these stats every year for the brands and the judges to kind of see all those stats of, of the judges, who the judges are, what demographic they're coming from, what occupation they're in. So that's a really interesting page to look at on our SIP Awards page. Um, so we had to create something where it's safe for everybody. So what we did was we created uh, the SIP Awards kit. It's an in-home tasting experience. We simplified it down to 12 spirits that they would get in vials 
in glass vials um, where they can go through the product with a online form accessed by a QR code. And then they would also have a sheet that they would go through each of the entries, again, uh, on aroma, taste, and finish, put in their notes. We also will provide the neat glass for each judge to make sure that the results are consistent, provide some instructions on you know, refrigerating the products before the use. Um, but this is gonna be the first year we're gonna, we're gonna do the, the kit, the virtual SIP Awards experience at home. And I think it could, it could lead into something if, if this becomes a big success, which our, our tests have uh, come back very, very positive with the, uh, the, the small sampling we've done with some groups. They've loved it. Uh, they, don't, they don't leave the privacy of their own home. They can bring friends over um, and, and they get the, the results right away from their email. Um, this could be the new thing for SIP Awards. I, I can't, and then we could have, you know, different events other days, but this, this, this is something new and exciting. It sounds like it. And you mentioned that you're reviewing notes, not just the grades, but you actually somehow categorize the notes as well. Do you submit it to the winners in the category to see what various judges said? How does that work? Yeah, so the winners automatically get their results, whether they've won a, a, a platinum medal or a bronze medal. Um, and we, we also, that's a good point you brought up, we don't necessarily give out a medal to everybody that participates. About anywhere between 15 to 22% or so don't win an award at all. Um, so even a bronze medal for the SIP awards is highly prestigious uh, compared to maybe some other competitions out there. And then if they want some additional feedback, whether it's notes um, or, or some of the algorithms we use, some of those algorithms being to be able to evaluate high judges to um, you know, low quality judges, kind of the example I gave you with the doubling up, um, we can provide those notes to the, to the distiller and that, that will give them some level of feedback in regards to, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like of a particular spirits, depending on what those judges kind of added in. I think that's a really important tool for the producer because you learn arguably more from what doesn't work than what does. Um, Absolutely. If they're willing to take, uh, you know, constructive criticism. <laughs> well, they should really because it would help in their business because it should be about the product integrity um, and the palate pleasing qualities and all of that. Fundamentally, it winds up in the consumer's hands. So if a consumer is telling you, this is what I object to, and there's a consistency in those objections between several individuals, I can't imagine it's not worth listening to whether there's a will to do that, that's different. But as a business owner, you want, you know, this is your boss, is a consumer, fundamentally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, on the brand side, we think of ourselves like the consumer reports in a sense, right? You get this unbiased feedback um, and, and have a chance to improve on it, have a ch bigger chance to market with it um, as a consumer's favorite. And in, in another, comp, uh, another award we introduced, uh, this was back, I want to say 2015, is a consumer's choice award which is very unique to us. And what that does is 
it's reserved for brands that win back-to-back years. So if you win a medal in 2019 and then you win again in this year's competition, you'll also be congratulated with the Consumer's Choice Award um, that you can use for your bottle, for your branding. And that just shows the level of consistency that your brand has because as you know, some of these brands are kind of manipulating the, the formula and the recipe every so, so many years. And this gives consumers a chance to know that, hey, this is a brand that's consistently winning. Which are a lot of these brands using a rare bird. A lot of the brands what? Has it happened frequently or is it a rare uh, bird when the brand went that consumer award? Has, it, has there only been a handful or has there been a lot? Uh, it, it's it's actually been growing. Um, it, initially, it wasn't, and it's consistently been growing. I think last year, we had approximately a little over 200 brands that won a Consumer's Choice Awards. That's a huge percentage from roughly. Yeah, yeah. But because we, we are also seeing, as compared to a lot of the competitions, we're getting a lot more brands than a, a lot of the other competitions that have want to enter back-to-back years. Because one, they see the value of the SIP Awards uh, for what it's doing for them in the marketing sense, and they're, they, they want to be a part of it. Because it, it does look kind of bad also to, to, to win a 2017 and you have a gap year. Um, so we, we, we are seeing that trend kind of continue as brands continually resubmit. The conclusion of this interview can be found in the next podcast already available for your download. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Pal Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson.